Thank you for joining the podcast of Clifton Baptist Church in Forest, Mississippi. Our prayer is that you will be blessed by a message from our pulpit today. Thank you for joining us, and may God bless you. Thank you, choir and musicians and everyone. As you can, uh, uh, if you were with us last week, you know that we began um, this series last week in Philippians, kind of... uh, um, an introduction of sorts last week, but I really wanted to to kick things off last week, and and we talked about um, sort of this this series letters from prison and how uh, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi, and uh, we talked also a little bit during that introduction about the significance that this letter was to them, and not just this letter alone, but his actual trip to the church in Philippi, how significant it was in the sense that it it, it initiated and, and began the first time that the gospel was spread to what we consider modern-day Europe. And so it had a great impact, uh, his, his trip to Philippi. And we're going to kind of elaborate and expand on that a little bit more today. But last week we talked about joy through fellowship and the fellowship that they had, that the Philippians had amongst each other, but also the fellowship that Paul had with them. And the relationship that Paul had with them was a very, uh, it was a very encouraging relationship. It was, uh, it was not one of, um, of division or anything of that nature. He, he loved uh, the Philippians and we see that through his letter to them. So last week, as we looked at that joy through fellowship, today uh, Paul kind of moves into a little bit of a new territory here. He he really explained his relationship with them last week, but now he's going to talk a little bit about his circumstances and what are what what is going on in the events, and a little bit more on the life of Paul during this moment as he's writing this letter. And so we're going to pick up this morning again. We're in chapter one. We're going to pick up in. Verse 12 today, if you're willing and able to stand this morning as we read God's Word, again, we will begin in verse number 12. We'll read down through verse 21. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all the other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident in my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even unto envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. Verse 16, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But the other of love, knowing that I am set of the defense of the gospel, what then... Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my, to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Verse number 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing shall I be ashamed, and that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be life or death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, take this message now. Lord, use it as only you can. Speak to us now. Father, I pray that when it come time for invitation today, Lord, if you're convicting us of anything, Father, that we would get that 
right with you today. Father, if you've put anything on our heart today, Lord, that we wouldn't walk out these doors carrying the same garbage, carrying the same baggage that we brought in here today, but Lord, we would lay it down and give it all to you today. Lord, I pray for anyone that may be here this morning that may not know you as their personal Lord and Savior. Father, maybe they've been wrestling with it. Lord, maybe they've been fighting with it. Lord, whatever it is that is holding them back, Father, whatever it is that is preventing them from taking that step of calling you and proclaiming you to be Lord of their life, Father, may that leave today, may that depart today, and may they give their life to you today. Father, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Paul, after completing his journey to Philippi, he didn't want to just stop there. He had made great links. He had went to great links to, to carry the gospel over to Europe and to the Philippians, but he didn't just want it to, to stop there. He wanted to continue on, and through continuing on, he had a desire to spread the gospel to what we know as modern-day Rome. And we see that over in Acts chapter 19, specifically verses 21, and in that entire area right there of Scripture, he wants to carry the word on to Rome. Now, Paul wanted to go to Rome as a preacher, but instead he got to go to Rome as a prisoner. Now, think about that. You ever, you ever uh, uh, feel like you're going somewhere, and, and the destination, you already have it picked out in your mind, but God says, no, nah, actually, uh, yeah, we're going there, but it's going to be for a different reason. He was wanting to go to Rome as a preacher, but instead he got to go as a prisoner. And as he finds himself in prison, this is where we get the letter that we read here today. Now, a couple things before we get into my points this morning. I want to show you just two little tidbits, two little things that he points out here in verse 12 that kind of set the, the table for what it is to come. In verse 12, he mentions these two things. The first thing he says, he says, the things which happened unto me. Okay, The things which happened unto me. That's the first thing he notes. And then also in verse 12, he makes a mention of unto the furtherance of the gospel. Now, these two things that he's describing here in verse 12 will help us, but I want to talk about them for just a second. First, I want us to look at, as Paul's mentioning here, the things which happen unto me. Well, what exactly are the things that Paul's mentioning here? Now, if you've ever uh, um, uh, been in church or had family or have kids, chances are you've heard a lot of excuses in your life, right? Excuses why your room can't get cleaned. Excuses why they don't want to eat the food that you've given them for supper time. Uh, excuses why, uh, why they're not sharing their toys. Okay, All these excuses. All these excuses. So as, as Paul's given out the things that have happened to him, in reality it makes our excuses look very minor. What exactly is the things that have happened unto me? Well, Paul describes those over in Acts chapter 21, uh, verse, or I'm sorry, chapter 21 through chapter 28. Here's a couple of those things, for instance. Number one, Paul's illegal arrest in the temple. His illegal arrest. Then he goes on and he talks about the, the, the Jews that thought he was making a mockery of the temple by bringing in the Gentiles. He said, hey, you can't bring in the Gentiles in here. You're making a mockery of the temple. You can't bring them in here. They're not worthy to come in here. You can't, you can't have the Gentiles in here. Then he goes on, and, and the Romans thought that, that Paul was some crazy renegade that was at the top of their most wanted list. They said, hey, this guy's at the top of the most wanted list. we got to go after him because he is just making a mockery of us. He, all, all these things that he's doing that are against us and everything that we've ever known. 
Paul became the focus point of a, of a political and a religious agenda. He was a, a prisoner in Caesarea for two years. He was sent to Rome for trial because he appealed their case. And, and, and on the way to Rome, over in Acts chapter 27, we know that on the way to Rome, he was a part of a shipwreck. Now listen, number one, I can't swim. Now we've, we've been on our fair share of cruises, and Melissa can attest to this, but there is nothing that makes me more anxious, more nervous. I don't even want to know what my blood pressure might have been had we been out there on that boat with nothing around but the ocean, and, and it come a big storm, and I thought we were going to crash, okay? I, I, I just, it, 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 it haunts me, okay? But he was a part of a shipwreck over in Acts chapter 27. The things that happened unto me, Paul declares. Paul didn't, Paul didn't say, well, you know, I was going to go over to, to Philippi, but I overslept that day. And, you know, I, I know they need the gospel, man. I know I needed to go down there and, and, and witness to them. I know I needed to share Jesus with them. But, man, I just, you know, needed that sleep. Paul didn't say, well, you know, they, 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 they're really going to, you know, come and, and take my family away. They're going to come and, 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 and slander on my name. Paul says, no, I've been in prison. I've been a shipwreck. I've been illegally arrested. I mean, the things that were done unto him were not just some light laundry list of items. Then he goes on and he talks about unto the furtherance of the gospel, he mentions in verse 12. Unto the furtherance of the gospel. When, when you look at that word furtherance, okay, here's what that word literally means, the furtherance. It means the advancement okay, by knocking down whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. The advancement of knocking down whatever it is that is preventing progress. Okay? Whatever it is that is preventing progress, it is literally knocking that down and not stumbling, not letting that get in the way. Because you are furthering the gospel. Now, I want you to think about this furthering of the gospel here this morning because when you talk about when you talk about knocking down obstacles, when you're talking about knocking down whatever it is that is in the way so that you can advance something, okay? Let me tell you what's going on in our society today. We're not doing any of this, period. Zero, double zero, okay? Nothing, we're not doing any of this. But what you do see is you see a, a, a liberalist, woke crowd today that says, you know what, the church is what is in the way of me from advancing what it is that I have as my agenda. They say, well, you know what, so, so now what's happened is the church has said, hey, these people are in my way and I'm not going to let them get in my way to further the gospel. Now the church is who's in the way. And they say, we need to get the church out of the way so we can do what it is that we want to do so that we can further. And if we just get the church out of the way, we'll be all right. If the, if, if, if the churches will just back down and be quiet and sit there on their pews like they're supposed to and go and sing a couple hymns and just get out of the way, we can further what it is that we want to further. We can further our agendas. We can, we can further our, 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 um, our misconceptions of what marriage looks like. We can, we, can, we can confuse them with what exactly gender is. If the church will just get out of the way, we can get done what we want to get done. So instead of us 
furthering the gospel by advancing and getting what it is that we need to get out of the way, we have become what it is that's in the way. And they're trying to get us out of the way so they can further what it is that they want to do. Paul says, hey, we, it's not just the furtherance. It's not just the knocking down. It's what are you knocking it down for? And Paul says, for the gospel. For the gospel. Not some agenda. Not some plan. Nothing. It's for the gospel. So let's take a look at a couple things this morning that he brings up specifically and says, well, let me give you all a couple examples. That's kind of what Paul's saying here to this letter. He's saying, hey, I know I've talked about this. I know we have a good relationship. Let's look first at Paul's obstacles. Paul's obstacles in verses 13 and 14. At the very beginning of verse 13, the very first thing he mentions are my bonds, right? So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all of the palace. Now, when Paul brings up his bonds, this is a literal bond for him. He literally was chained together with prison guards. We know that, right? This wasn't some, some analogy of a bond. This wasn't some, some illustration he was given or, or, or a parable for an example. This was a literal chain bond that he was chained to the prison guards. However, the chains that, that many would look at and say limit Paul are no limitation for God. They're no limitation. It amazes me when I see somebody, and I love it, it blesses me so much, when I see somebody that the world looks at them and says, hey, they have limitations. They can't, you know, maybe it's a, it's a speech impediment, like, you know, whatever it is. Maybe it's a handicap. Maybe, and you see them do great things for God. You see them do great things for Christ. And then you take people that have every ability and capability in the world and do blessed nothing. They do nothing. That always, that, that amazes me. And Paul says, hey, I, I got these chains here. I got these bonds that other people would look at and go, <laughs> better him than me. Well, I'm glad he's down there chained to those prison guards. I, I, don't, I don't want anything to do with that. Boy, if that's, if that's what being a Christian means... I'm all right, I'll pass. Paul says these, these bonds, my bonds, my bonds in Christ. You know, if God can use Moses' rod and David's sling, I think he can probably use Paul's bonds, right? He can. Paul goes on to put it like this, and I love it. It's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. This is what he says. He says, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer. Okay, so they're looking at Paul saying, hey man, this guy's, this guy's an evildoer. Even unto my bonds, look, listen to this, but the word of God is not bound. Paul says, you can chain me up all you want to. I'll chain up with anybody in this room. You can bond me up with any, any, any uh, uh, guard you want to, but you cannot chain up the word of God. You can't do it. You can try all you want to. You can put it in a closet. You can put it on your nightstand. You put it wherever you want to, but you cannot chain up the Word of God. Man, I wish some Christians would get a hold of that today. You cannot chain up the Word of God. You can't do it, Paul says. These bonds that, that, that Paul's talking about, they, <laughs> many people would go, man, what a, oh, that's terrible. Paul looked at it and said, hey, I don't have to go out to them. They get to come to me. I don't have to go out and share the gospel. But guess what? They're going to be attached to me. I get to talk. As a matter of fact, they're going to, they're going to switch guards about every six hours or so. So, 
So I'm going get, to get to talk to at least four guards a day. Four, Paul said, hey, that's an opportunity right there. That's an opportunity. That's not an obstacle. That's an opportunity. Church, can I tell you something? As many people would look at this obstacle and say, there's no way. This is, this is against all odds. This is, there's no way that Paul should be having to do it. Can I, can, I, can I share something with you that they won't teach you in seminary and they won't teach you? Uh, uh, Joel Osteen's probably not preaching it this morning, nothing like that. Can I share something with you? Listen, an obstacle, this is deep. Y'all ready? We write this down. This is, this is intense right here. An obstacle will always be an obstacle as long as you let it be an obstacle. Right? Oh, come on. All right, I'm going to say it again. I'm gonna, an obstacle will always be an obstacle as long as you let it be an obstacle. Okay. All right. We're good. We got that. All right. Listen, it, it, if you want something to be an obstacle, it'll be an obstacle. Okay. This had, this had every right, every reason. Any, anybody with half a brain would have said, yep, he's chained, to prison. he's chained to prison guards. That's an obstacle. Paul said, no, that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity. You know, when, when we, as a church, when we think about outreach, when we think about going out and sharing the gospel, when we think about lost people that we need to share Jesus with, we think about going out and doing that, right? In reality... There's a lot of people already around us right now that we can do it to. You, here's, you don't have to go out. They will come to you. They will come to you. Well, how will they come to me? Let's start at Walmart. We'll start there. We'll start there. I had this lady, I, last time I was in Walmart, I, don't, I, try, I try my best not to go in Walmart very much, but the last time I was there, I, I had a conversation with this lady. And... You know, I got to share the gospel with her. I invited her to church. She wanted, she wanted something. I'm sure y'all have met people like that in Walmart, right? She wanted something. I said, I'll tell you what. You've got a need. You come to church on Sunday. I'll, I'll, I'll help you. You come to church. I'll help you out. You know, and, and he just, listen, they will come to you. You don't even have to go out to them. And that's what Paul's saying, hey, Somebody's got to be chained to me. I bet, by, I bet by the end of the cycle they were thinking, boy, I don't want to be... They're probably back there drawing straws, figuring out who it was that was going to have to be chained up with Paul. Man, he's going, what's he going to tell us today? What's he going, what's it going to be today? What's it going to be? So he goes on in verse 14. This is what he says. And many, and many of the brethren in the Lord were actually confident of my bonds. Okay, that's what he's talking about here. So now, not only is he talking about the obstacles, okay, but the obstacles that he had allowed other people to be confident. They said, well, if Paul, I mean, good night. Paul's down here sharing Jesus with the people that, that, that he's literally chained up to. Man, if he can do it, I can do it, right? I mean, there, there's no excuse for me. If, 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 if he's, you know, I mean, in prison, things are not looking good. They're, they're probably gonna, gonna, gonna kill him. He's probably gonna die. He, he, he's chained up. Man, I mean, if he can do it, I can do something, right? And so they begin to be confident. Verse 14 also says they were bold to speak the word without fear. You see that there? They were bold to speak the word without fear. Now, I know some of you are bold. I know you're bold, okay? We need to be bold about the right things. 
We need to be bold about sharing Jesus Christ with people. Boy, we're, listen, I, I got convicted this week. I'm gonna, can, I be, can I be honest with you this morning? I got convicted because I was coaching upward basketball, okay? Listen, God convicted me on the basketball court. I'm out there coaching. My wife, she, she, she knows. Well, some of you know too. But I was yelling. I was really, man, I was, I was getting into them kindergartners as much as you can legally get into them kindergartners, okay? And I mean, I was, I was into the game. I was yelling. And, I, and, and, and right there, Jesus said, why aren't you this passionate about me? Boy, you, you sure do care a lot about that 5-0 and perfect basketball coaching record you got. What can I say? You sure do care a lot about that. But hey, are you, are you that passionate about me? And right there, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Praise the Lord, though, that he can speak to us in those times like that. And even though we may haven't been where we needed to be, even though we may haven't been doing what we needed to do right then and there, we can say, Lord, I'm sorry. And then we can turn from that and we can begin, right? We can start right there. He says, they're bold to speak without fear. Are are we as bold to speak about Jesus as we are bold to speak about everything else? I, I know we're bold to speak. I see it on Facebook. Bold to speak. Let, let, let something happen we don't like. Boy, we speak, out of, we speak out against it, right? Speak out against it. I can't tell you how many times I saw this week, shoot the balloon down, shoot the balloon down. Just get, just, I know somebody in Mississippi probably had something that could reach that. Th- just get down there and shoot it down. You know, I'm like, any, anything, anything that happens, anything that happens, we're, we're, we get bold to speak about it. Are we that bold to speak about Jesus Christ, church? I want to ask you today. You know, it, these bonds, these obstacles that Paul is facing in his life can bring about discouragement, right? They can bring about discouragement. Different things get us discouraged. Discouragement has a way of spreading around, right? One person gets discouraged, other people start getting discouraged. And it just has a... It has a unique ability about spreading around. But you know, encouragement does the very same thing. Encouragement does the very same thing. One person gets encouraged, it can be contagious. You know, a whole church can have revival if one person has revival. It only takes one. It'll start to spread. It'll start to spread. It'll start to spread. Paul was listing all these obstacles. Secondly, today... We look at the opposition that he had to face in verses 15 through 16 as we read it. He says in verse 15, Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. Then he goes on in verse 16, he says, The one preach of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. The church was divided. Some are, some are preaching Christ, okay? Okay. Some are preaching Christ not sincerely is what he's mentioning here. But Paul is, is facing opposition. He, he, he's facing a, a trying time here. Um, he goes on in verse 16. I'm, I'm going to speed it up here. He goes on in verse 16 to also talk about supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But he also uses that word contention right there. You see that in verse 16? Contention, the one who preached Christ of contention, not sincerely. That word contention literally means to 
canvas for office, or as we would probably list it in modern day, would be politicking, okay? It literally is, is an act to go around and to gain favor from other people or to get people to, to, to get on your side of a matter and in the hopes that they will be alongside you or in favor of you. So when he uses that, now, now let's use that in the tense that he uses it. He says, the one who preach of contention. So what he's saying there when he's talking about preaching of contention, he's saying, hey, they're preaching, they're going around preaching to get people to be on their side. They're going around preaching to get people to be in favor of them. They're going around preaching to get people to, to be in agreement with them. Okay? And what, when he's, what he's saying there is, hey, they're, they're really, let me, let, me, let me put it in, in other terms for you. They're going around preaching, but they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're going around preaching, but they're telling you what you want to hear. Right? If a, if a politician went around and started uh, telling you all their cons and not their pros, right? That wouldn't be so beneficial for them, correct? And so they're, the contention, he's saying they're going around preaching, but they're, they're, they're preaching Christ of contention, not sincerely. They're not being sincere. They're not being truthful. Listen to me. You cannot, I don't care, who you are, how perfect of a life you live, how great your great granny was, how faithful your daddy was, you cannot read the word of God and it not hurt your feelings. I'm sorry. You just can't do it. You cannot read the word of God. Now you can you you can overlook some things. You can read what it is that you want to read. But you cannot read it properly. You cannot study it properly and it not hurt your feelings. There was opposition for Paul. Church, there will always be opposition for the church. When I talked about we are the ones in the way and they want to get us out of the way so they can accomplish what it is they want to accomplish, there will always be opposition of the church. Let me tell you something. If they opposed and mocked and slandered and spit on and crucify Jesus Christ, you and I don't stand a chance. We don't stand a chance. If they did that to him, there will be opposition for us too. You may look around and say, well, there, I, I don't see very much opposition in my life. That's because you're not standing up for anything. That's why you don't see any opposition. You say, well, I just, I don't have to fight any spiritual warfare. Well, praise the Lord. Will you tell me how you do it? I'd love to know how, how, we, can, how we can do that. Because I'm telling you, you cannot stand for Jesus Christ and not have opposition in your life. You cannot raise children in a godly home and not have opposition in your home, on your TV screens, on your radios. There will always be opposition. The reason we don't see it anymore is because, like I mentioned, we've, we've backed up. We've backed down. We sat down. We said, hey, it's okay. Y'all go ahead. Y'all go ahead. Go ahead. Y'all just do whatever you want to. We'll sit over here. We'll sing how great thou art. We'll, we'll worship. We'll meet on Sundays, Wednesdays. The opposition doesn't have to work unless we put up a fight, church. So we see Paul's obstacles. We see Paul's opposition. We see the ones that are, 
that are preaching against him. The one, he, he, here is Paul trying to do everything he can to, to, to spread and to be sincere and to proclaim Jesus as he is, and yet there are some that are preaching with contention. And then thirdly, we see the outlook in verses 20 and 21, the outlook. See, because of Paul's obstacles, Christ was known. Because of Paul's opposition, Christ was preached. And now because of Paul's outlook, Christ will be magnified. Paul said, hey, I have obstacles, but I'm going to do everything I can to make sure whoever it is that's around me knows about Jesus. Paul might have opposition. He said, I don't care what they preach. I'm going to make sure I preach what I know. And then he says, my outlook may not be good. I may not have much longer. They may kill me right here in this prison. One of these days, he's probably thinking, one of these days, one of these prison guards are going to hear enough Jesus and they're going to just, and I'm going to be done. But because of my outlook, I'm going to make sure Jesus Christ is magnified. Paul confessed that to remain alive was crucial for the believer's benefit. But to die and to be with Christ was far greater. When you look at that verse 21 right there, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's a verse where most of us are familiar with, right? We all know that one. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want to talk about this verse for just a second and then I'll, I'll, I'll carry on. But if you look at that word die right there, when he says for me to die is gain, you know, when we think about that, we think about that from a, a, an earthly standpoint, Right? We all know that, that, that one day our, our, our time is going to be over and, and, and our appointment with the Lord is going to be fulfilled that we have, right? But when he talk, that, that word die that he uses right there in Greek, I want to explain to you and elaborate a little bit deeper on what that word is in the Greek. That word to die that he uses there in the Greek is actually a military term. And the military term that Paul uses right here is the same example in which one may go and set up a base camp in the middle of spiritual or in the middle of a physical warfare. Now I want to parallel it to a spiritual warfare that we have, okay? But this military term that he uses is not one that you would go and set up a permanent base, but it would be one where if you were going to attack and you were going to be on the move and you were going to uh, uh, be taking over a land or a territory, okay, you might go and set up a little bit of a temporary camp here until you were able to accomplish and fulfill whatever it is that you had, and then you would move on to the next place, right? Or you might further or advance a little bit more. And so the word that he uses here for die in the military sense literally means to go and to set up a tent and then to take the tent down and to move on to somewhere permanent. Okay, that's the term that he uses. Now you say, well, how does that relate to us? Well, that is exactly what we are doing here, okay? Everything that we have here is temporary. It's a tent. There's nothing permanent about it. Your home that you have is temporary. Okay? Your vehicle that, you're dri that you drove here to this morning is temporary. Okay? Nothing, nothing about what we are doing here for us from, from a standpoint is permanent. Our permanent is on the other side of glory, right? That, that's to come. That's to come. But when he uses that word die right there, that's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, I understand that whatever it is I have here is temporary. 
I understand what is to come that is permanent, okay? But for me to live, okay, I want to do everything that I can in this moment, in this temporary, to make sure that I can do it for Jesus Christ. Some people look at things that are temporary and say, oh, it's just temporary. Oh, well, it is no big deal. No, no need to do anything. No need to even enjoy it because it's just temporary. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Church, I want to ask you to do something this morning. I want to ask you to, to fill in those blanks for yourself. For me to live is blank. For me to die is blank. Is it for me to live is money and to die is to leave it all behind? Because that's what will happen. That's what will happen. Is it for me to live is to be popular and to die is to be forgotten? Is that what it is? Is it for me to live is power and to die is to lose it all? Church, my prayer this morning is that every one of us can say, for me to live is Christ and to die 